What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you are listening to Intuit from Vulture, and we have got a lot of pop culture to talk about this episode. And by a lot of pop culture, I mean a lot of blue people. Avatar is back this weekend. I just saw it. I have thoughts. We're going to discuss it. We will talk later with a Vulture movie critic who says, actually, Avatar is good. Great, in fact, he argues. And even though Avatar is a butt of a lot of jokes, he says, this movie kind of changed Hollywood. I will let him explain because I need to hear that reasoning. But first, a game. You know how it goes. Every week we play into it, not into it. And every week we just keep getting the heavy hitters. I am joined for this episode's game by Niles Abston. Niles, hello. Tell folks who you are. Hello, I'm Niles Abston. I'm a stand-up comedian, writer on the hit show Dave on FX. Before we start the game, I do have to ask, do you have any big thoughts on the film Avatar? Again? Like we need another one? (laughs) We're getting another one. Are you going to go see it? Um, if somebody like rips it online, I'm, I'm, it's just like, dog, like I ask people all the time that like the first one and I'm like, so what was your favorite scene in the first Avatar movie? And they're like, you know, the one that looks really good. And I'm like, you don't remember shit from the first movie, bro. Like it just looked dope. <laughs> well, I'm happy to tell you that the new one is coming. I went to see it last night. We're going to talk with uh, one of Vulture's film critics about the film and the franchise later. But I'm going to let you know first, before all of that, this movie, this new Avatar, it's three hours and ten minutes long. Of course it is. <laughs> he said that very matter-of-factly. Why, of course. James James Cameron makes those movies for him, and then the rest of us just get to watch them. <laughs> A.K.A. Suffer. Exactly. Anywho, uh, this game is not about James Cameron. It's about you, Niles. We're going to play a game that I call Into It, Not Into It. Sounds great. It's really simple. I share three stories from the week of pop culture, the zeitgeist, and you just tell me if you're into those stories or not into those stories and why. At the end, I'll give you a score, tell you if you won, and it will all be based on my opinion of your opinions. Okay. All right. First, Niles, are you into or not into Dave Chappelle bringing Elon Musk out on stage during a comedy show he did in San Francisco a few days ago. Make some noise for the richest man in the world. Very not into it. Okay, that was very matter of fact. Tell me why. I mean, comedy at its core is you're supposed to make fun of the power structure. Nigga, you gonna bring the power structure and give it a microphone and put it on stage with you? (laughs) So I heard about it. I heard he got booed. Then I watched the video. Dave Chappelle was calling Elon the N-word on yeah. the stage. Whatever. Look, motherfucker. This nigga is not even trying to die on Earth. Yeah, and it makes me feel like, does Elon say that shit with him? Like, when they not in public? 
Like, I feel like Elon probably gives him 60 million a nigga. <laughs> and you know what, Niles? It's not enough. It no, is not it's enough. Not. <laughs> I will say, as much as I'm annoyed at Elon Musk right now for what he is doing to Twitter, it did feel good to see him get booed. Oh, so for that great. alone, I'm happy that Chappelle brought him on stage. Hmm. That's interesting. Right? I get that. So after this all happened, he got booed for like 10 minutes. Uh, Elon later tweeted in response to a rando online. He wrote, technically, it was 90% cheers and 10% (laughs) boos. Did you see that? Yeah, that's crazy that somebody that rich can't do math. You know what I'm saying? Because that is not what happened if you just watch the video. (laughs) Apparently, though, all of this was about Chappelle trying to get Elon to Twitter unban his friend Talib Kweli. Right. Fuck that. <laughs> no- I love I love how resolute you are yeah, in all Nothing of Talib Kweli is important enough for, to bring him back on that app. Number two. Are you into or not into all of this AI portrait cartoon foolishness your friends are doing on Instagram. Ugh, I'm, I'm so not into it, man. It's, it's just like people were saying the government was tracking us and all this kind of stuff, and then now they're just giving their face away. I don't understand. Like, whenever whenever these, these uh, robot cops need to put a case on somebody, they're just going to go through the list of niggas Well, I already got his face, so I'm just going to say he did it. I think that's just how it's going to work. I got to say, I was maybe a little bit into it Before I read up on it. For a second, I was like, let me try this. Let me, you know, make myself pretty. Let me manifest my body dysmorphia. But then I read up on it, and this thing is called the Lensa AI Portrait app. Uh It costs money. Yep. It costs money, Yeah, it was a dude buying AI pics, and he owed me money. (laughs) (laughs) Did you call him out? Yeah, I tweeted about him. <laughs> what did you tweet? Please tell us. I literally, I just literally tweeted. I said, there's a motherfucker out here buying AI pics and he owed me money. Because <laughs> I thought the shit was free. And then somebody told me, like, no, nah, you got to pay for it. And I'm just like, that just goes to show you in America, if you think you're going to look hotter, you'll just, like, People pay for it. it and give your People information do away. Do you know how much it costs? I think it was, like, eight to ten bucks. Oh, that's after the initial fee. So there's more fees on top of it, which I think are eight or ten. But a year long subscription to the app starts at thirty five ninety nine. No way. Yeah, it, it costs thirty five dollars. Does that make you even less into it or more into even it? Even less into it. I'm out here putting comedy specials out for free and they charge thirty five dollars for fake pictures. <laughs> I'm doing it wrong. If you had to do it, what kind of cartoon AI thing would you want to be? I want to be a Pokemon. I want to be the very best. Tell me more, please. I mean, think about it. Whenever you feel like it, you frustrated, you just get to fight and it's okay. You don't go to jail. Like, that shit dope. That's true. That's true. Do you Pokemon Go? No, but my roommate does it all the time. Like, we'll be going somewhere and she'll just stop. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, well, there's a Rattatat over here. I'm like, bro. <laughs> a Rattatat. It likes cheese, nuts, fruits, and berries. All right, we've got two no's. Here's the third. Are you into or not into Dyson, the vacuum people, launching air purifying headphones next year? I'm into it. Some of y'all apartments be stinky as fuck. (laughs) I want to know if you're going to be into it after you see it. So I'm going to make you Google it right now. If you can, just Google Dyson air purifying headphones. D-Y-S-O-N. I want you to see it. Okay. 
Let's see what they look like. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Describe it for our know. listeners who can't see because of the podcast. It's like you got this like big mouthpiece on. It's like a grill guard. Yeah, and it's connected to the headphones. I guess is that to like so you're not you're not like inhaling the whatever it's spraying out. Is that yeah, how I it guess. Works? So you're not into this. I think I'm still into it, man. You I, are. Cause, yeah, because we, we need to purify the air a little more. You do know there's like a really cheap air purifying system available right now in the culture. It's called the face mask, and that's like $2. That's also true. Also, I don't think you know how much it costs yet. Guess how much this thing costs? Two ninety nine. <sighs> more. More than 299 Yes, my dog. More. Up. Go. Guess again. $600. Go more higher. Oh, my God. $1,200. <laughs> no, okay, yeah, less. It's like $950. That's crazy. All right, I'm not into it anymore. That's Let me ridiculous. tell you something. Go to the CVS. Get you those cheap $12 Skull Candy earbuds yep. and then buy a few face masks. You're going to have this whole operation for less than $20, okay? Look at that. All right, if Dyson makes everything, they make the vacuum, they make the hand dryer, they make the hair dryer, now they make the air purifying headphones, what do you want Dyson to make next? I feel like they would make like a dope-ass, like, portable like a uh, neck or back massager if you can power a, a vacuum like you definitely could get this crank out my back you know what i'm saying <laughs> a vacuum get it sorry nope that was bad ah okay <laughs> I, I see you i think this edition of the game has had more no's than any other edition of into it not into it and for that reason alone you are our contradictory cane. You have won the game. Niles, congratulations. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. If Elon is in an Avatar movie, what is his character? It's my last um, question for you. You know those characters in the movie that don't really serve any purpose, but they're like the, the evil villains, like yeah. Lackey, and all they do is just like repeat what the evil villain says. That's wow. him. He gets and he gets killed in the first forty minutes. There you have it, listeners. <laughs> Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. 
Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell folks who you are. My name is Bilga Ibiri, and I am a film critic for New York Magazine and Vulture. And you buried the lead. You are perhaps Vulture and New York Magazine's biggest avatar enthusiast slash defender? I guess that's probably true now. Uh, <laughs> I feel like back in the day, you know, Vulture was filled with... Uh, with Avatar uh, nuts, but uh, it's possible they've all left for uh, greener pastures and I'm the only one left. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts on Avatar. I went to see the new one last night and managed to stay awake the entire three hours and 10 minutes, which is more than I could say from my experience watching the first one many years ago. We're going to get to perhaps our differing viewpoints on this film and the franchise. But first, I want you to give me your top line thoughts on the Avatar franchise in like no more than three sentences. My Avatar elevator pitch, if you will, I guess. (laughs) I would say that it's an environmental action movie series. And as such, it's probably the most personal thing that James Cameron has ever done. That's one it, sentence. That's Keep one going. sentence. Because it carries within it the, the, the two extreme sides of his personality, which is the tough guy, gearhead, machine gun, warfare loving, macho, swaggery guy, guy on the one hand. And on the other, the, the sea-loving, vegan, environmentalist, flower child, who just wants to be one with nature and the spirit world and believes that we're all connected. Okay. That felt like an addition to the first sentence. So if you have a little more, I will let you keep going. Well, I'm pretty good with run-on sentences, so I could probably (laughs) find a way to do my whole (laughs) review in three sentences just with a lot of ands and semicolons. But I think it's also a way for him to connect with audiences in that way because he's able to tell a sweet, corny story, but to do so in a way that also delivers, you know, an exciting, spectacular action epic for audiences. I think my cat agrees as well, (laughs) as you can hear him in the background. Yeah. And we should point out here, this central plot line, and there are no spoilers in this. You've seen it a bunch in movies. Um, The humans, usually the white humans, bring their guns and their weapons and try to take over or invade a more peaceful, Earth-focused land with native peoples. And we will show the sky people that they cannot take whatever they want. And that this, this is our land. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of that that white savior narrative, which has been around for a long time. I would say that Avatar puts a, a bit of a new spin on it because of how much I think Cameron identifies with both worlds because of these aforementioned sort of extreme hard, soft qualities that he has. But also because, you know, in this case, what 
you know, what Jake Sully's character does is it's not so much his superiority that allows him to kind of thrive in this in this narrative. It's the fact that he is one of the invaders and he knows how their minds work and he knows what what you need to do to defeat them. Look, at first, it was just orders. And then it, everything changed. Okay, I fell in love. I fell in love with the, with the forest and with the, and with the Kaya people. I'm with you. And at the end, he completely sheds his his human self. I mean, he becomes you know, one of the Navi. Yeah, he becomes one of the Navi. I mean, the thing I would say about Avatar is I don't know that anybody walked out of Avatar in you know 2009 or whenever saying, boy, that that Jake Sully sure showed those Navi how to do it. You know, like I think they walked out of it thinking, man, humans suck. The Navi are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk more about the defense of Avatar that you have written because I've never read anything like it. Your thoughts on the franchise are pretty bullish on all things Avatar. The original, the new one, all of it. In September of this year, you wrote a piece called, quote, Sorry, but Avatar still rules. You said that James Cameron was, quote, cinema's master of the vibe shift. And then you said of the first movie that it left movie graveyards filled with wannabe blockbusters that couldn't live up to the promise of Avatar. Why are you that bullish on this movie and this franchise? Well, part of it was because I was trying to respond to this idea that it that it left no pop cultural footprint. And one of the things that happened in the wake of Avatar, there were a number of films that were imitating Avatar, whether it was trying to replicate the 3D or trying to kind of replicate the story. And a lot of those films flopped. They were, you know, they were unable to do that. In fact, 3D you know, for like, if you remember, for like two or three years after Avatar, oh, I every hated movie it. I was hated released it. in 3D. I hated it. Oh, my God. And it God. was horrible. Um, and what I was trying to say there was, you know, you can also gauge the importance of something by the sheer amount of imitators that failed to accomplish what it did. Um, so that's kind of what I was what I was noting there. It's funny. When I think of like the... After Effects of Avatar, all I think of is how Zoe Saldana then went on to play a green alien, which I found funny. Yeah. Uh, but what were all of the the movies that came in Avatar's wake trying to be new 3D Avatar? Take us back. Well, I was thinking, of the, you know, the one thing I was thinking of was um, Sam Worthington in Clash of the Titans, <laughs> if you remember. My father was killed by a god. My mother... Sister, everyone I loved was killed by a god. I mend nets, not wield a sword. You know, at the time, it seemed like, oh, Sam Worthington's going to be a huge star. And of course, it didn't happen. Um, there was, I remember this, uh, if you remember the, this animated film called Epic. Somebody told me once that if you stand still in the forest long enough, you'll see signs of a hidden struggle raging between forces of life and decay. There'd be so many films where I was reviewing it and I would, and I remember thinking to myself, this is trying to be Avatar and it's kind of not working like at all. 
So much so that, it, it, you know, something similar happened in the wake of Titanic, for example. I remember um, a movie I actually really like, uh, Perfect Storm. I remember a lot of people responded to the Mark Wahlberg romance aspect of it. There's nothing like sleep, won't you? Just sleeping, lying next to you. Oh, warm and sweet. It just felt like such an imitation. So it's like there it's not just the films that are imitating it, but the films that feel like they're imitating it, even if they're not, because you know, you've kind of been or audiences have been avatar pilled, if you will. Okay, so this is the thing that I just can't seem to wrap my head around. Hmm. If James Cameron makes Titanic, it's one of the biggest films of all time, and then people are trying to make copycat Titanics. And then James Cameron makes Avatar. And that's the biggest film of all time. And then everyone's trying to copy Avatar. Why do I still feel like the majority of the conversation around James Cameron and Avatar is a joke? People love making fun of him and his maximalist impulses. People love making fun of those blue people and that font. I still don't understand. If this stuff is so good, so groundbreaking... Why is it still always the butt of a joke? But if it's so meaningless and, 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 and has had no impact, how are we still able to make jokes about it? I mean, it, obviously, right okay. now there's a new Avatar coming out. But okay. I mean, several years, you know, I mean, I said this, I think in, I can't remember if I said this in my piece. I, I think I said it in a tweet and people got mad at me. But the papyrus joke on SNL, I, one of the funniest bits I've ever seen in my life. I forgot about it for years, but then I remembered that Avatar... The giant international blockbuster used the papyrus font as its logo. Avatar, the movie from like nine years ago? Yeah, he just highlighted Avatar, he clicked the drop-down menu, and then he just randomly selected papyrus, like a, like a thoughtless child just wandering by a garden, just yanking leaves along the way. How many movies can you make that bit about? I mean, when that bit was on SNL, it had been how many years since Avatar had come out? How many films that old can you make that Name the font. Well, no, it's true. I cannot name a font of any other movie. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. You're saying that James Cameron's haters are his motivators, that we hate him because we ain't him, and that (laughs) all talk is good talk. All press is good press. All right. I think also James Cameron leans into this slightly ridiculous quality. I mean, he's he's kind of self-important, but I, I think he's I think he's very aware of how he comes off. I think his whole thing is again the macho bluster side of him, which is, and he did this with Avatar too. Remember, in the run up to Avatar, Avatar before it came out was a joke. I mean, I remember I was making fun of this, you know, the, his Comic-Con appearances. And then yeah. they, they released some early footage, which, which actually looked kind of terrible. We've, we've done everything from figure out the, the ecology, the composition of the atmosphere, the, the, the geography, all the different species of animals and plants to the, the Navi people, their culture, their history, um, their language. Uh, uh, Dr. Paul Frommer, who is the head of linguistics at USC, or was at the time, spent two years working on the language and created a little Berlitz course for all the actors. And would I mentioned this in my piece at the time, which 
you know, the New Yorker profile, which just seemed like he has he had completely lost his mind. Oh, my God. Read that line from the New Yorker profile because you wrote it in your piece. And I was like, oh, that's wild. Can you pull that up? I'll bleep out the the <laughs> I'll bleep out. Yeah. The that effing rocks. Oh, just say it, Bill. Just say it. Just say it. That fucking rocks. You can do it. That fucking rocks. Look at the gill-like yeah. membrane on the side of the mouth. It's transmission of light. All the secondary color saturation on the tongue and that maxilla bone. I love what you did with the translucent on the teeth and the way the quadrate bone racks the teeth forward. This is a creature wow. that I believe we see all of 45 seconds in the movie. Can I give you my theory of this new film and then a little bit more of my theory of James Cameron? Sure. First big takeaway this is a visual spectacle. It's beautiful. It is a visual achievement. What he's doing with these computers, it's crazy. There were moments where I just paused to marvel at the way the fake water splashed. Like, is that good? Um, but besides that, and after that, the negatives kind of start to rack up. This movie is three hours and 10 minutes long. No. Don't do that. The plot is not that involved to where it needs three hours and 10 minutes to lay it out. I don't need an hour in whale world to get that the water is beautiful, you know? Um, I also think that like, and this is my larger beef, I think with Avatar, it's really hard to take the earnest moments earnestly because so much of the stuff in the movie itself leans comical. The font is funny. The dreadlocks on the Navi people, especially when you think of which characters get to have them and which do not, it's funny. The proportions of the blue people, it's a little funny. This film is already earnest enough to be mocked, but it's also weird and strange looking enough to be hilarious in a way that I don't think James Cameron wants. That said, I don't think he cares, and that's the point, but Whenever I wanted to really, really fully root for this movie, I got tired because it was too long or I laughed at things I shouldn't have been laughing at. I don't know if he doesn't want you to laugh at that stuff. I actually I watched the film again last night um, as well. And and, you know, there oh, you were got a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of time. On my, uh, well, you know, it's my job to see these. Um, and, There's that. Uh, and, and the fact that I luckily I, I, I do like it. So it's not torture to sit through it again. But there was a lot of stuff in there I laughed at. And I, I remember thinking, I think this is supposed to be funny. Like, you know, the whole thing where he and Neytiri go on a date night and he literally calls it a date <laughs> night, which I was, you know, I just kind of casually wrote it down in my notes the first time. And then the second time I was like, wait, did he say I date mean, night? Yeah. For <laughs> me, know? it was all of the free willy imagery. Like at one point there's a free willy whale jump. Oh, yeah. And you're like waiting for Michael Jackson to start singing. And then there's like sonar communication with the whale who was sharing its trauma. <laughs> it was just like, do you want me to cry at this or laugh at this, James Cameron? I don't know. Well, I think I think it's like almost a dare for him because I think it's like you're going to laugh when this whale first starts talking. But by the end of the whole whale thing, you're going to cry. And I will say that's <laughs> that was my experience. Now, I'm a. I grew up around the sea. I, I'm obsessed with the sea. I, I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was a kid. So oh. this stuff hits me in my sweet spot, you know? Okay. The middle hour of this movie, which is definitely the slowest part, which is basically just them hanging out with whales. 
my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, it, it could have been and seven hours. Say, I would still be there watching it. Great whales, beautiful whales. They're gorge. Yeah. But it's a whole hour up in there. It is. It's Go a ahead, lot of sorry. whale. It is a lot of whale. And, and you know, <laughs> if, if you don't like whales, it, it's it's going to be rough. <laughs> um, but it's also I mean, I thought I thought, you know, you mentioned the effects. The effects are I mean, they're so spectacular that you forget their effects. I mean, that oh, was yeah. my experience. At one point, at one point last night, can I tell you fully, full to God honest, there's like one of the scenes where there's like these butterflies flying around in the 3D. One of them was flying around and then I tried to swat at it. I thought it was a bug outside of my face. Bilga, not even lying. I swatted at the 3D butterfly because I thought it was in front of me. That's the magic of Avatar. I mean, yeah. it, it really is. I still have not wrapped my head around the fact that this stuff doesn't exist. None of this stuff exists. Like they <laughs> created all this stuff in a computer. That's yeah. insane. Last question for you. And actually, you pick the question that you want to answer based on how you think this film will do. Okay. If this movie succeeds, what is the lesson the rest of Hollywood should take from James Cameron? Or if this movie fails, what is the lesson James Cameron should take from Hollywood. If it succeeds, I think the lesson one can take is, you know, don't be afraid to take the time uh, and and the effort you need to to do something right. I mean, this film has been delayed for so long, and obviously, it's a very elaborate, you know, technologically complicated project, but. One of the things I've discovered over the years in sort of, uh, especially when I do some of my oral histories of like Disney movies and things like that, you know, the release dates can be so ironclad uh, because, you know, they've got the Happy Meals and all they've got all these corporate partners that are getting their products ready. So it takes a lot to be able to move a release date. But, you know, because Cameron has kept such tight control over the whole thing, they're ready when he's ready. Um, and I think that that's an important lesson that Hollywood can learn. Um, as far as what James Cameron can learn if the film flops, well, I think I think the, what what he can learn is that you know people aren't always going to be there for him, you know, for 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 his for his visions. But he learned that you know he learned that with the Abyss, which at the time was like the most ambitious film he'd ever made and was kind of a flop. So, you know, I, I I mean, James Cameron could probably stand to be a, a little more humble, although I don't want him to be huh. too humble. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, I think like for me, if not a lesson, what I'm taking from my Avatar experience is that like, if you have the ability and the wherewithal and the budget to make the thing that you want to make exactly the way you want to make it, then do that. Life is too short. You want to make some tall blue aliens frolicking with the whales? If someone's going to pay for that, do it. I don't know. It's it's like James Cameron and those blue Smurf people are just telling me to do exactly what the hell I want to do. I want to avatar my life, if that makes <laughs> Seize sense. Seize the day. <laughs> <laughs> Seize the day. Carpe freaking diem. Thank you, James. Thank you, Bilga, for doing the work of watching this film more than once and for talking with me and our listeners about it. I appreciate you. Thank you, Sam. 
Thanks again to Bilga Abiri. Go check out all of his stuff over at Vulture, but be sure to read his Avatar essay from this September. It is called, Sorry, But Avatar Still Rules. Can't say I agree, but it's a good read. It's a good read. Thank you, Bilga. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Culturegeist. Culturegeist. You're listening to Culturegeist. Culturegeist. I don't know, y'all. And now for a segment we're calling Culturegeist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me, haunting all of us, for better or worse. My name is Gabby Grossman. I'm a producer on this here podcast, Intuit. And this time of year, you know, the seasons are changing. The tree in Rockefeller Center is being lit. And it has me thinking about the amazing performance that took place 
15 Christmases ago when Ashley Tisdale performed at the Rockefeller Center Christmas Lighting and she performed Last Christmas. It is just an iconic performance, specifically the way she says the words shoulder to cry on. Me, I guess I was a shoulder to cry on. Her choreography, she's having her full pop girl moment, and Ashley, never stop Christmasing. We love you for it. Thank you. Hey Sam, this is Monica in Portland, Oregon. My Culture Geist is a clip that I saw from Jimmy Fallon's show a couple weeks ago that had Chance the Rapper playing a game in which he had to sing. So, all right, so wait, so you have to sing Hot in Here by Nelly, but in a country rock version. Adam, can you guys... And it is perfection from his voice and accent to the little sounds he makes throughout, to his swagger. Good gracious ass, bodacious, vertacious, trying to show space on, looking for the right time to shoot my sleeves. It's just such an incredible moment that I would buy a whole album of, and that just, I could watch over and over and over again, and it just makes me feel really good about humans. So check it out. Thanks for your show. Hi, my name is Catherine, and my culture geist is a 2017 weird confluence of cultural references. So at the 2017 Oscars, Ben Dreyfus, the son of Richard Dreyfus, but also at the time the editorial director of the investigative news magazine Mother Jones, was live blogging the Oscars on Mother Jones. Throughout the live blogging, he keeps referencing the great TV show Mozart in the Jungle, which is a TV show and can't be nominated for the Oscars, nor can he remember the name of the lead actor Gael Garcia Bernal. At some point, while Bernal is uh, presenting an award... Their stories are as entertaining and powerful as any found in films that feature flesh and blood actors. Dreyfus writes, Sir, 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 I love you. I want to be your best friend. I should probably learn your name. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I have remembered that now for almost six years. And anytime I see a fashionable person on the street, a good-looking dog, uh, or have a friend crush, I think to myself, sir, 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 I love you. I want to be your best friend. I should probably learn your name. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> Thanks again to Catherine, Monica, and Gabby. Listeners, do you have a culture geist? A thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days or weeks or even years? The more specific you are, the better. Send us a short voice memo at intuit at vulture.com. Also, if you like this show and want to support it, we could use your help. Subscribe to Intuit on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, share with your friends. Tell your friends you like this show and bug them until they listen to it, too. Truly, every little bit helps. 
All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, and Jelani Carter. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And Hannah Rosen is the editorial director of audio at New York Magazine. All right, listeners, we are back next Thursday with a new episode. Till then, be good to yourselves. Talk soon. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries Running Socks brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.